You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Everybody still love Jesus? Amen. How many of you are expecting great things tonight? Amen. Amen. Would you make Pastor Tim Enlow feel welcome as he comes to give us the word tonight? You know, it's good when he turns the microphone off on you on the way there. All that nice stuff, and then he turns the mic off. Hey, it's great to be in God's house with you tonight. We're looking forward to uh, what the Lord has in store. And I'm so glad uh, God God brought you back tonight uh, because... And kept a couple of the people that were here last night away, because there were some ugly people here last night, but they didn't come back. And it was my prayer, God, just bring the good-looking people back. And he answered my prayers, all right? Then again, my glasses are dirty, so I don't know. Either way, we give the Lord the glory. Um, We're looking forward to good things from the Lord. Um, Tomorrow morning, how many of you come to church on Sunday morning? All right. And so tomorrow morning, we're going to be talking about opening up our lives to the Holy Spirit in brand new ways and are going to really be experiencing his power and presence. And then tomorrow night, is it at six or seven tomorrow night? Seven o'clock tomorrow night. We're going to be back here um, and we're going to be looking at experiencing and receiving more power from the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so for those of you that haven't ever yet experienced being baptized in the Holy Spirit, Tomorrow night's your night. You can, of course, beat the rush tonight because Jesus is always generous and always on duty, right? But um, for those of you that you received a long time ago, and it's kind of like a a historical moment in your spiritual wax museum, and maybe that old hymn, You've Lost That Love and Feeling, kind of applies to that. Tomorrow night's the night to download the fresh update. He He has something fresh for us. And uh, he wants to help us. So um, if you're interested, take advantage of the minister materials back there. There'll be a blessing. I was just thinking about it um, when Pastor was talking about the still small voice and all that. If you don't have this Goodbye Chicken Hello Dove book yet, the, the last third of this book is all about hearing the Holy Spirit's voice. And it really kind of dovetails. It's different material that I'm sharing last night and tonight. But it really dovetails and hones down what to expect, how you know if it's God's voice, how to sort through some of those things. Really, really helpful. If you have elementary age kids, we have our kids book back there, Kid Power. Rochelle and I put this together when our boys are now adults and two of the three of them are married. But when they were little, we wanted to kind of be the prime mover um, and the influencers in our kids' lives about the Holy Spirit. You know, it's really easy to be a, a passive, spiritually speaking, a passive parent. And you can be worried about feeding your kids and getting them sleep and getting them to soccer practice and not worried about them being raised up to be a mighty man or woman of God, you know. And honestly, a lot of Christians, they kind of are more concerned about their kids' sports schedules than they are about imparting the things of God in their lives. And so we really want to be super intentional about that. And this material is the fruit of our own personal study on that. So, Because we wanted our kids to be baptized in the Holy Spirit at the earliest possible age they could understand. And we wanted the things of the Spirit to be natural for them and not weird. How many know the Holy Spirit's not weird? People are weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird, right? 
And how many are sitting by a real weirdo tonight? You can attest to that, yeah? So this is the material um, that we brought our kids through, and thankfully, we're so grateful to God that he poured out his spirit on all of our kids, but it might be really helpful in that way. And then there's other books and stuff back there. I mentioned last night we have some of these Holy Spirit digital teaching libraries. It's a flip-out USB that's got like a whole Bible school on the Holy Spirit on here. There's stuff all about the personality and cultivating relationship with the Spirit, different giftings of the Spirit. There's character studies on the anointing. Um, there's even a series on here that will help you in your relationship with your mother-in-law called Freedom from Manipulation. So all of those things are back there. And uh, you can put them in your computer or in your smart TV or in your car stereo if it's equipped or whatever. Uh, if you're from West Virginia, tough. You don't have electricity anyway. So that's just kind of the way it is. Or Perry County, right? Is that more of the punching bag here? But um, is, who do, you, who do uh, people, are we in Berks County? Oh, Leah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, Leah, I should have known that. Um, who do you make, what county do you make fun of here? Schuylkill? Is that south of us? Oh, it's north. Okay. All right. So I was raised in Camp Hill, Harrisburg, Mechanicsburg, and we always made fun of Perry County, right? Because the whole idea was the whole county together, cumulatively, was qualified to eat a sandwich in that there was a full set of teeth together for all of that. So... I don't know. It's probably not that way anymore. All right. So last night we talked about um, entering into prophetic ministry, not pathetic ministry. We'll probably all do that sometimes, but prophetic ministry. And how many of you were here last night? Okay. Most of you. If you weren't here last night, I'm sure it's online or something like that or whatever. You can be so sick of us. You won't know what to do with it. But our, our normal MO in teaching is to have everyone stand and read together some scriptures. Um, but I've chosen last night and tonight to just to read to you. And last night we looked at the beginning of Samuel's ministry. And now I want to read a portion out of First Samuel chapter 9 when Samuel is now well established in his ministry. He is the prophetic leader in Israel. Remember back in the Old Testament, prophetic ministry came alongside with governance. That was separated after Jesus died on the cross and arose again. And now there could be people that are prophetic, prophetically gifted and also used in leadership in that way. But it's not the go-to like it was in the Old Covenant, you know. And we have the diversity of giftings within the body of Christ. And, of course, Jesus is the Lord of the church. But back in this age, this was pre-Kings. And uh, the, the prophets were looked upon as legal and and the governmental judges that would rule and their judgments would be final and they were also military leaders often so let me read you this just uh if you want to close your eyes as long as you don't fall asleep and uh, but listen to this story just for a moment this is first samuel 9 1 there was a wealthy influential man named kish from the tribe of benjamin he was the son of abiel the son of zeror the son of bekorath the son of Aphiah, the son of the tribe of benjamin There'll be a test on all of that. Um, his son, Saul, was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. One day, Kish's donkeys strayed away, and he told Saul, take a servant with you and go look for the donkeys. So Saul took one of the servants and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim, the land of Shalishas, the Shalim area, and the entire land of Benjamin, but they couldn't find the donkeys anywhere. Finally, they entered the region of Zuf, and Saul said to his servants, Let's go home. By now, my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. But the servant said, I've just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in this town. He's held in high honor uh, by all the people because everything he says comes true. Remember that scripture last night? The Lord blessed Samuel. 
and everything he said came to pass, none of his words fell to the ground. So this is now decades after that, still happening. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. Because we don't have anything to offer him, Saul replied. Or, but we don't have anything to offer him. Even our food is gone, and we don't have a thing to give him. Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. We can at least offer it to the man of God and see what happens. Just a side note, they weren't paying for a prophecy, but how many know we always bring God our best in every way, you know? And so in, in those days, if people wanted a message from God, they would say, let's go ask the seer for the prophets used to be called seers. Um, today, if you read pop books on prophetic ministry, they'll say that you have the prophetic anointing and then you have the seer anointing. That scripture says, no, they used, that used to be a synonym, right? Because people get all weird about terminology and try to create hierarchical structures that don't exist. But um, so then uh, let me see here. All right, Saul agreed. Let's try it. So they started into the town where the man of God lived. As they were climbing the hill to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water. So Saul and his servant asked, is the seer here today? Yes, they replied. Stay right on this road. He's at the town gates. He has just arrived at to take place in a public sacrifice up at the place of worship. Hurry and catch him before he goes up there to eat. The guests won't begin eating until he arrives to bless the food. So they entered the town, and as they passed through the gates, Samuel was coming out towards them to go up to the place of worship. Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, this is the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and said, can you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We will eat there together. And in the morning, I will tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago. They have been found. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. And my family is the least important of all the families in that tribe. Why are you talking to me like this? And then uh, Samuel goes and gives uh, Saul the best cut of the prime rib and all that stuff. Um, when, verse 25, when they came down from the place of worship and returned home, Samuel took Saul up to the roof of the house and prepared a bed for him there. At daybreak the next morning, Samuel called Saul, get up, it's, uh, it's time you were on your way. So Saul got ready and he and Samuel left the house together. When they reached the edge of town, Samuel told Saul to send his servant on ahead. After the servant was gone, Samuel said, stay here for I have received a special message for you from God. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it all over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. When you leave me today, you will see two men beside Rachel's tomb at Zelza on the border of Benjamin. They will tell you that the donkeys have been found and that your father has stopped worrying about them and is now worrying about you. He is asking, have you seen my son? When you get to the Oak of Tabor, you will see three men coming toward you who are on their way to worship God at Bethel. One will be bringing three young goats, another will have three loaves of bread, and the third will be carrying a wineskin full of wine. They will greet you and they will offer you two loaves, which you are to accept. 
When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will be met by a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. How many know God is all-knowing, omniscient? Prophetic ministry is sharing in a portion of what God knows and he shares with us so his portion and his ministry can be done. He's not looking, you know, Samuel didn't say, and by the way, you know, uh, vote for me or whatever. But there was no self-interest involved there, but instead it was kingdom interest. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you still anoint your servants with prophetic power. In the old covenant, you anointed only a few. But in the new covenant, you pour your spirit out on all flesh, our sons and our daughters and the young and the old, the highfalutin and the lowfalutin, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would put treasure in earthen vessels like us, not to bedazzle the vessel, but to show that the surpassing greatness of the power is from you and not from the vessel. Lord, would you be magnified in each one of us as we just open up our expectancy and our willingness would you anoint us would your spirit come upon us powerfully and change us into different people like Saul of old thank you for it Lord amen 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 blast ahead a couple slides and go to the pac-man slide you got the pac-man slide there so if you're here last night this is where we're we're picking up here so how many remember pac-man it's like at the pie graph pie chart there so there you go. How, you remember Pac-Man? Did you have Pac-Man fever? I remember as a teenager going to Hills department store. Remember Hills? Anybody? Okay. And buying the Atari 2600 Pac-Man cartridge when it came out for like 50 bucks back then. It was a lot of money. Aren't you glad I shared that with you? Now what this shows, um, what this shows is the scope of prophetic ministry. Now what I mean by this is this shows... Looking, surveying in the New Testament, every scripture, yes, I am that kind of a geek and chart it all out, every scripture where any kind of prophetic ministry is mentioned, and it, I wasn't looking to try to fit it into categories, I was just trying to see what it looked like, and they logically fell into three categories. And a reason why I think this is important is a lot of times when people think about prophetic ministry, they think solely about a prophecy in a church, or they think about a prophet, right? But this shows us something totally different. So the blue chunk representing about a sixth of the data in the New Testament about prophetic ministry in general speaks of the office of the prophet. We have some Ephesians 4. We have some recognized prophets, Agabus, Philip's daughters, etc. in the New Testament. Um, and then we have the red chunk there recognizing another about a sixth of prophetic data in the New Testament about the gift of prophecy, which would probably be something like we'd recognize in a church service, something like that. Most of that data, 1 Corinthians 12, and the bulk of it, 1 Corinthians 14. But then if you look at the Pac-Man part, two-thirds of all recorded prophetic ministry in the New Testament doesn't fit that mold. Because most people go, well, you know, I can't prophesy because I, you know, 
uh, I don't know all the Elizabethan words, or I don't, I'm, you know, because a lot of times those people that kind of do that are a little distemperate, you know, and, you know, they're kind of angry, because how many know God's mad, so you got to be angry about it, you know, and you got to, you got to do all these political prophecies. I'm just telling you, if you are around people that use a prophetic gift to prophesy political things rather than the kingdom of God, that should be a major red flag. Now, God can do those things, but that's exceptional. And what we find is we find a lot of people setting themselves up for personal platform with the itching ears kind of stuff going, hey, you know, our candidate or their candidate and all this kind of stuff. But the prophetic ministry is all about God loving, building up his family and welcoming people in. It's about God's kingdom, not earthly political systems in essence. Again, that can be done, but it's really peripheral. So if that's the only thing they're doing with it, that's a huge red flag, right? So, but it's inspired speech, just God guiding your words without being a braggart, but just recognizing the goodness of God in your life. How many have ever sensed a time when God's really guided your words as you've talked to someone, hold up a hand as a thanksgiving to God, right? Matter of fact, there's been some times when afterwards I like kind of take some notes on it because it was really good. You know, these are thoughts I've never had before, but I first time I had them was after I heard myself speak them. You, you know what I'm talking about? I go, hey, that was really good. Um, this is prophetic ministry. And you didn't have to like stop and to go into a trance and drool and, you know, my children, my children, and your way into all this stuff. This is just like normal ministry. In fact, if you look from Genesis to Revelation, you will find the most common empowering activity of the Holy Spirit is prophetic. He is revealing things to us and guiding our words. So this is not some strange thing. Oh, this is not my gift. This is the usual way. Why? Why would communication be such a big deal to God? He's wanting to get the word out, right? And he's a father. He wants to speak to his kids. He's, he's not just like he cares about you until you get into the kingdom and then who cares? He wants us to grow and be built. And all of this is super relational. So inspired speech, witnessing, preaching, teaching, you know, that all fits into there. Matter of fact, some of you, you guys do like life groups periodically and stuff like that or... Yeah, you're going to be whatever. But, you know, maybe you do even informal fellowships or something like that. You've got like biker blessing or knitting doily blessing or something like that. And a lot of times it's the same same group in both of those. But um, you because uh, you see a lot of those Harleys with the doily over the seat. That's really crazy. But um, but if you ever noticed in those moments and maybe you're a leader and you don't have any formal program or something like that. But you'll find a lot of times when you're placed in those spots that God will really help you in what you are to say and what you are to do. Didn't Jesus say to the believers, you will stand before kings and magistrates. Do not worry what you are to say. It will be given to you in that hour. Right. What's your biggest fear about sharing your faith? I don't know what to say. I'm going to say the wrong thing. But you see, the normal activity of the Holy Spirit is to help us communicate. Right. Okay, look at the next one. So I just wanted you to see that because I think that, that kind of teaches more than just video arcade games from the 80s. Go to the next slide, if you would, please. So how does prophetic ministry develop? So there are two phases or aspects of prophetic ministry, and these are in chronological order. Number one, hearing from God, and then number two, speaking for God. How many know you can't speak for God unless you're hearing him, Right? And this is, it, it's super obvious, but like, 
so growing, I'm just going to tell you a, a quick story here about my growing. Growing up, um, we had in our, our home church, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, downtown, uh, right across from the governor's mansion, Green Street, Harrisburg, First Assembly of God. We had this guy that would prophesy a lot of times, usually Sunday nights in our church. He wasn't like the Sunday morning A team. He was like the B team Sunday night. And because, um, you know, like the A team, um, of course, you have B.A. Baracus and some others there, but, um, but Sunday night. And so he would prophesy, but, and it was okay, but it was always kind of angry, and the pastor always had to kind of push the broom around it after it was done with. And our pastor was really kind and gracious because uh, as a leader, you have to be really careful because if you harshly publicly correct people, you embarrass them, and then you create a spiritual culture of fear because nobody wants to be embarrassed, right? And so he would always deal with people quietly afterwards to not embarrass them. And I mean, a couple times I saw ushers tase people, pretty rare, you know. <laughs> but, but this guy, he was always prophesying angry. And I remember, because some of his sons were in uh, Royal Rangers, with, Royal Strangers with me, and his, I, he would be cussing out his kids in the parking lot. And then he'd come in and like the oracle of God. And it's just as a kid, I'm like, come on, that's not right. And sometimes what he said was good. And it was maybe even right and powerful and prophetic. But it's hard as a kid because some of those words I hadn't even heard before, you know, as a kid. And I'm like, hey, mom, what's this mean? She's like, oh, you know. And, uh, but, and that was from the church parking lot. And you go, how can good water and poisonous water flow out of the same spigot? Have you ever been, oh, here's a word you hardly get to use, befuddled by, that's a good word. Uh, have you ever been befuddled by the contradictions of people being hypocritical even when you look in the mirror right so keeping these in the proper order my main goal is not be the oracle of god my main goal is to be a son or a daughter that knows my father's voice that has a way of of resolving naturally a lot of these hypocrisy and sanctification issues because your main job is not to be a performer. Your main job is to be a son or a daughter, right? And that also kind of keeps you away from a lot of that performance modeled stuff. I think that preaches for itself, but and it's super obvious, but I just wanted to put that before your eyes because they do indeed happen uh, in that order. Okay, next one, please. So... When we think about um, developing prophetically, you have this invitational stage. Now, in our scripture text we read yesterday, you have Samuel hearing God speak to him. I w wouldn't that be cool? Mm -hmm, yeah. Samuel, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm Tim, but I'll take it, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so you hear, I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? A lot of people, a lot of Christians, how many of you are Christians? God, please let the pastor raise his hand. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, if, if you're a Christian, we, we kind of all want to have these beam me up to the mothership with God moments, right? You want to experience his glory like Moses. Now show me your glory, you know. We want to experience those things. And I think a lot of Christians naturally feel like this is possible, hypothetically possible, but not until I have some visitation moment in my life, you know, where Jesus puts extra ram on my motherboard or something like that kind of a thing. But in, and in this uh, scripture, it's true. It's an invitational stage with a two-way dynamic. God called, but Samuel had to respond. And what was his response, you remember? 
Speak, Lord. I'm listening, right? Remember, hearing is first, right? And so we go, okay, that's why I've never had God speak to me in audible voice. Well, when you go through the scriptures, you see this beginning to develop, and then we get to the Joel 2 prophecy in the day of the Messiah. God's going to pour out his spirit on all of his people, and they will be prophets. They will speak his words. They'll have visions and dreams. And then in the New Testament, the Bible invites us, Paul invites us in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. He tells, he tells us in chapter 14, all of us can prophesy. But he tells us in chapter 12 to earnestly desire these gifts, especially that we prophesy. So God's given you the invitation. Now, it didn't come from an audible voice, but it came in pen and ink from God as he moved upon Paul's hand. Um, and 1 Corinthians, he would have been in Ephesus writing that for the great Ephesus revival. I was going to think he was in jail, but that was later on. But um, seems like everybody in the Bible God ever used did some time. So that might be good. <laughs> I mean, don't go knock over a liquor store, you know, for that to get more of anointing. But it's kind of cool, you know. God loves to use us where we're at and what our life circumstances look at, you know. But God preserved this in pen and ink for us for over two millennia now. He's pre or right at two millennia. He's preserved this for us, his invitation to you. You don't need an audible voice. You have a written invitation. Have you responded to that yet? Right? So then we have the commissioning stage. What we mean by that is that you begin to actually do it. And a lot of people are kind of frustrated because not everybody downloads the PDF manual. You know? And they don't know what to do. Well, have you ever noticed that God never really tells us specifically exactly how to do supernatural things? Except Jesus told us, without me, you can do nothing. But with God, how many things are possible? All things. So the whole idea is relationship. And so many people are paralyzed. They won't do anything. They won't step out and try, so to speak. Because they're looking, for, they're looking for a recipe to bake a spiritual cake yeah. rather than drawing near in relationship. All the how-tos come from drawing near in relationship. You will never feel fully satisfied that all of your questions are answered before God will use you. That's not how he works. But it's a whole lot better when you draw near, Lord, I want to know your voice. Speak to me. Speak to me in my life. Let your word change my heart. And you spend time drawing near. You end up cultivating a big ear or maybe two big ears, right? How many want to be a spiritual Dumbo, the elephant, right? Okay. And so big ears. And you begin to develop that. And so that doesn't come from me trying to read every book on being prophetic, going to every conference, having every prophetic person smack their empty hand on my empty head, you know, drinking lots of noni juice and taking ginkgo biloba. And I mean, there's all this weirdness people do trying to, you have to draw near. It's all relationship. It's sonship and daughtership that God is looking for in this commissioning stage. And then the maturation stage, which biblically lasts exactly seven days, and then you're fully permanently mature, right? <laughs> How long does the maturation stage last? Your whole life. And if you've ever been around people that are used prophetically, and well, I was actually talking with, with a, a, a mentor of mine earlier this afternoon, and he reminded me of something I thought was really, really fun. But have you ever been around someone with really wretched body odor? Well, actually, how many of you are presently having that experience? Okay. 
You're too nice here. So have you ever noticed usually the only person that can't smell the stink is the one that is odoriferous, right? I got some good words tonight, man. I was firing on all cylinders. But um, have you ever noticed that? The only one that can't smell the stink is the one that stinks. And this is kind of the way with spiritual pride. A lot of people that begin to get used of God, they stop going back for manufacturer periodic maintenance in their own life. And so then that's how you can have someone that's just say used prophetically in a church that it's like the same thing every week. And it's, you know, how many know God doesn't play a lot of reruns, you know? And so, you know, man is not like, you know, microwave, you know, the frozen bread again from last week that was left over. And so you find people or you find the anger in it all the time and the nasty in it rather than to exhort, edify, and comfort. It becomes oppressive and then nobody recognizes my gifting. These are people that have gotten in a scenario where they have abandoned the maturation stage. They're not going back afterwards. The post-game wrap-up. Man, if you want to grow really fast in the anointing, whenever you sense, think on any level that God has used you, set aside five, ten minutes, get alone in prayer and go, okay, Lord, here's what I thought, here's what I felt, here's what I did. Show me what was me. Show me what was you. How can I be better next time? How? And if you'll adopt that as just the permanent way you do things, you will grow and it gets such a sharp edge in the anointing so quickly. You could be used like two or three times and you could be a more clear prophetic voice than somebody that was at Noah's engagement party, you know, <laughs> as prophetically. So just some helpful things. Okay, let's look at the next one real fast. So um, hit me with the next slide. You got it? Okay, so where does prophetic ministry function? Well, there's public and non-public context to this. All right. So this is pretty obvious, but I think it's helpful to see because, again, most people think prophetic ministry is one narrow little thing. It's a prophecy in a formal church service or it's a prophet speaking. But you see, of course, it can happen in church. We've got two whole chapters on that. It can happen in the marketplace. Matter of fact, that's really great there. The gifts are always better outside of the church. These are gimme putts in here. But, man, those are those are glory of God things happening out there in a small group. Um, that's kind of a cool one, Acts 27. That's actually a small group in the water, if you know that scripture. And then non-public, what about in a home? Um, and what about even personally? And so you can see these things taking place. And again, you don't have, there's no like vernacular to be prophetic. Like a lot of people think you have to kind of adopt the way you, the lingo for verily, verily, the Lord would say unto thee, you look not to the left and look not to the right, you know. Stop all that, okay? Your job when you speak is to weigh with great sobriety every word that you're saying. You only present the things that you feel God is saying as those words from him. Anything else is you. And if you present your own thoughts or ideas or the way of doing things as being from God and that's not from God, then that part of it is falsely prophetic. So this is really critical. You know, you don't have to, like to me, some of the purest prophetic words are when someone very innocently says something like, I just, I can't escape this. I just feel like I, I'm supposed to say that. And they kind of haltingly speak, but it's so powerfully because they're trying to strain out all of their thoughts. The insecurity of people being used prophetically 
typically comes with a million reinforcements. You might have heard these ones before. For the Lord would say unto thee, I am your, you know, what this, that, the other thing. And, and the Lord says, and I am the Lord. And seriously, honestly, this person prophesying is really hearing from me. What you're hearing is the insecurity of the person coming out, and they are not perceiving that. Your job is to distill down just the raw data that God spoke to you, to communicate it how he leads you to, and then to close your mouth. He hasn't called us to interpret it or weigh it or figure it out or Sherlock it. That's when you get into trouble. Just say what he is leading you to say. And when that train stops, close the station, right? And what that does is that protects everyone around that's receiving that prophetic ministry from our own faulty worldviews and assumptions and ideas. And so super, super important. Okay, let's go to the next one. Next slide, please. So how does it function? Okay, so this is super helpful. So at least it is to me, and I'd appreciate it if you pretend like it was for you. I would be so affirming. Okay, so we have the, with, these things operate in the, in the realm of faith, not empirical intellectual certainty. Have you ever noticed that you can have a strong sense that something is from God and yet be filled with doubt and concern at the same time? How many of you have ever felt that tension? Guess what? That's normal. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're normal. It's the first time they've ever heard that their whole life, right? So the reason why is because the Holy Spirit is prompting you with a spiritual prompting, but you are processing it and weighing it with your intelligence, right? So that's not bad or wrong. It's actually kind of normal. And you can have intense spiritual certainty. I know God wants me to do that. But then your spiritual risk management department at the back of your head says, that's not wise or prudent, you know. You haven't been on a 40-day fast. And did the Lord send that to you in triplicate notarized FedEx, you know. And, and because your brain is the reason why you're alive right now to a large extent. Because it preserves you and prevents you from doing things perceived as dangerous. And that's part of that, that reflex in there. Like, I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to violate social order. I don't want to put myself out there to make a mistake. But you're getting this intense spiritual prompting inside. Hey, you need to go to talk to somebody. They're at the grocery store right there. They're right in front of the Rutabagas, which sounds Pentecostal. They're right over there. You need to go talk to them, right? And you're like, well, I don't know what to say. But you, you can't escape that sense and but your brain is saying don't you don't know what to say you're going to mess it up there's probably someone more spiritual in this wise market there's you know on and on and on and you haven't been on a 40-day fast you haven't memorized you know all of the books of the bible you only have down memorized the book of concordances right now and so you know you just got to get going that's easy because it's alphabetical but you're, you're struggling with this right and so you're you feel these tensions and these conflicts that's not because there's a spiritual issue there it's because your brain is trying to protect you from making a mistake or from doing something it perceives itself to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Listen, the supernatural is uncomfortable. Yeah. doesn't mean that anything uncomfortable is the supernatural, but you just have to understand God always calls us out of our comfort zone because if it's something you could do, you could just do it but he wants to partner with us so that his glory comes through in this way. So here's how you weigh these things. When you have these conflicts inside, number one, 
Does what I feel God wants me to say, does it conform to God's word? Listen, if you don't read your Bible, don't try to be prophetic. You will make all kinds of mistakes. If you don't know the word of God, you're going you're gonna to do all kinds of crazy things, right? Um, then number two, you look in your life and you go, hey, have I been faithful with some consistency in the word and prayer? This doesn't mean that, oh, oh last week I skipped one day, so now. But how many know just being faithful with prayer and your devotional life will give you a stronger sense of your ability to discern the voice of the Lord. Plus, honestly, if you're not being faithful in the word and prayer, then being prophetic shouldn't be your concern. Being a son or a daughter should be your biggest concern, right? And getting into that. So there's a lot of people that like uh, the old illustration from Bob Mumford e eons ago was, you ever been out in the uh, garden working on a hot summer day and you're thirsty and you're all dirty and you don't want to go inside and you bring the mess inside so you crank on the spigot and you get yourself a nice refreshing mouthful of hot rubber hose water the problem is not that it's not chemically H2O the problem is that it's picked up the flavor and the temperature of the conduit it passed through and so a lot of people want to be prophetic but their conduit hasn't been transformed personally so they blow hot rubber hose water over everybody for a while, you know, until the water runs fresh. And that's, that's why some of this stuff goes haywire. It's not because the gift is faulty or God's on vacation. It's because the hot rubber hoses, you know. And so you, you fix all that by being faithful in the word and in your prayer. And there's no, honestly nothing the devil will attack more. He wants to destroy your sonship and your daughtership with the Lord. He wants to, it's so easy though. How many of you bathe every day? Please don't raise your hand if you don't, because it lets the dogs out, like that old hymn says, right? But if you bathe every day, just, I mean, I'm, you don't tell you have to do this. I'm just giving you an option. If you're struggling in your devotional life, when you're in the shower or the tub, pray. It's easy. Lord, I'm cleaning this old filthy body. Clean my mind. Clean my thoughts. Clean my motives. Clean my word. You know, and just spend some time drawing near to him. It's a great metaphor and good worship acoustics with all the tile, right? And then... And then when you're on your way to work, listen to the Bible in your car instead of argument talk radio. You will have so much more peace and your blood pressure will go down rather than letting them try to juice you up and, and stir you up on whatever the newest. There's always a conflict every day to make you all riled up. Why not get to work with the word of God in your heart? It will actually change lives and makes a difference for eternity, you know. And so, but what happens with that then, then when you're in those environments, when you're getting those promptings, you're able to discern that voice and step out more in confidence because you have positioned yourself closer to the speaker, right? And then finally, and this is kind of way down, but it's helpful. You look at previous experiences in your life when the Lord has helped you. And if you don't have any, you can get some, you know, but you look and say, hey, the Lord has really helped me in this way. And this is just kind of practical stuff. Okay, go to the next slide, please. We're landing the plane here shortly. So this to me is so helpful. And honestly, this is a huge question. Some people say, well, how is it, because people kind of function differently prophetically. I know some people, um, and this is kind of something that, that happens for me. Um, it hasn't happened for this weekend, but when, usually when I'm preparing messages ahead of time in study, um, I will be praying and saying, Lord, is there anything specifically you need me to know or do in this service? Way ahead of time, month ahead of time. And a lot of times I'll just put it in the notes on the side, and that way I have a month to pray about it. And I've found when I do that, I mean, I've had, not bragging because it's all the Lord, but I've had things where, like, you know, I just feel like, you know, lupus or something like that comes up. I write lupus down. 
I don't have any idea anyone in that church has lupus or anything like that, but I have a month to pray about it, and the more I pray about it, all the, you know, either it will become very unimportant, and I know it's just my brain, or it will become very clear and very urgent, and then the more I pray a lot of times, the more details will come up. You know, Julie has lupus, and then she's going to wear purple pants, you know, and she's also concerned about her uncle, you know, who has rabies or something like that, you know, and... <laughs> So I will keep all that, and I'll keep that in my notes. And there are times when, when I'm preaching, because I keep my slides on my phone, although I've not been referring to them tonight, but I'll keep my slides on my phone, and I'll have it written down on the bottom of that PDF. And when it comes time in that service, I'll look out, and I'll see a lady with purple pants, and I'll be like, hey, are you Julie? I mean, I won't do it showboating in front of everyone, because that's kind of not my MO. But um, I'll kind of go to her privately, um, and I'll say, hey, is there any chance your name is Julie? Hey, check this out. Look at this. I did this through prayer. I mean, I didn't do this, but God prompted me through. Do you have lupus? And does your uncle have rabies? And, you know, all of a sudden the snot and goo begins to flow. And, hey, let's pray. And it's a sign to them. Now, some people go, well, how can you write that down ahead of time? The Holy Spirit only moves like lightning spontaneously. But look at the life of Samuel. This is the chronology of the prompting. So, yeah, he can do it a totally ahead of time, 1 Samuel 15, 16. How about chapter 9 we read tonight? God had already spoken to Samuel, tomorrow you will encounter the son of Kish, and you are to say this to him, right? So he can do it ahead of time. He can do it, we would say, spontaneously or instantaneously. But then he also can do it with a combination of both. This is to say that all of our paradigms about prophetic ministry, oh, you're just sitting there in church, and all of a sudden, Jesus zaps you, and all of a sudden, you stand up, and you begin to, you know, this whole idea of it being spontaneous, anytime God moves, it's spontaneous to us, because we're on the outside, right? But what I've found is if you go into those things praying ahead of time, you often set up a time for it to mature and develop and for the dough to rise a little bit. Um, you know, you can't choose. It's how God prompts you. But why not go, hey, Lord, Thanksgiving is coming up. And I'm going to have nasty Aunt Susan and, you know, evil Uncle George there. And Lord, would you, you know, and begin to pray into that. Now, you can't make it happen, but you sure can send invitations, right? right. And you can spend some time with that. And write down anything, even if you think it's only 0.05%, it could be God. And pray about it. Lord, is that you? Is that me? Show me. And you will find very naturally out of your sonship or daughtership, you will find very naturally that it will become more important or just very unimportant. You'll know you can erase it. And you just pray about anything that happens, you know. How many times have you been in a church service and you're like, there should be a prophetic word right now or a tongues or interpretation or somebody should get healed? You've experienced that before? Why do you think God told you that? Because he wants you to be on the inner circle. <laughs> Who's one of the knowers. <laughs> he prompts us and reveals things to us to activate us to, op uh, to obey and to do those things. And so when you kind of understand this, when you feel that prompting right away, when you understand this, you go, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to talk to? How do you want me to pray? Because sometimes prophetic ministry is personal to be shared in the secret place of the Lord in prayer. They're probably in a church this size. We have a whole bunch of intercessors where your prophetic ministry is in public, but it's in the secret. You paste linoleum and you, you speak 
to the Lord, those prophetic things back to him in intercessory prayer. And that's awesome, too. And so, you know, this is really important. They don't get all weirded out if somebody speaks prophetically and they pull out a, a legal pad or something like that, you know, because what that typically means is they've been praying about this for days or weeks. And this thing has tap roots. I kind of get excited when I see it. Um, now, if it's like you can tell they're on Facebook and they're like going, and your high school was, you know, whatever, you know, that's a different story. But, um, but it, it, it really is, I think this is super helpful. Okay, let's go to the next slide real quick. Uh, practical helps. Remember, what God reveals prophetically is not everything. It's only fragments. So a lot, when I was growing up, I was afraid when we had these prophetic people in our church or visitors that would come through that were gifted in that way. Um, I was like really afraid that they were going to, you know, stop the service. I was like eight years old. You, little Timmy Enlo, God knows that you, you know, got mad at your sisters and you took all their Barbie heads and buried them in Adidas shoebox in the backyard by the birch tree. <laughs> Probably too specific of a reference. I own it. But uh, I was always afraid of that. I thought they would just know everything. And I just want to tell you, if it is the temptation out of our broken human nature to want people to appreciate us more and to use the things of God to build our own fan clubs. But that's kind of the, exactly the wrong thing. What did John the Baptist say? Jesus must increase and I must decrease. That's why the way we do things is very important. That's why, like I shared a moment ago, and I'm not blasting anybody who does because I don't know how God is leading them. I just know for me that it's very, very rare if God, in, when I'm ministering like this, if God gives me a real specific word for someone, I'm not going to go, you back there, stand up, and here's the, here's the problem, there's a boil on your left shoulder, or whatever, this kind of stuff, you know, right by the tattoo of Miley Cyrus, you know, whatever, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that, although I do feel that specific about pastor, and I'm teasing, I'm teasing, but um, I'm not blasting people to do that, but what that does is that tends to elevate the person doing that, right? And the whole point is that the person that is receiving that knows that they're in the center of God's attention and comfort and care, right? But it can be really a temptation to leverage the things of God for your own gain. So he only ever gives us fragments. You don't know everything. And if you're around someone that puts off that they just know everything, red flag, doesn't mean that they don't love Jesus or that some of the gifting is not legit. It just means that there's a lot of dirt in their bucket still, right? And that, that God has put the treasure in with. Compassion and humility. So have you ever been around someone involved with prophetic ministry and they leave a wreck behind them? Because they don't have the heart and compassion of Jesus for the people they're ministering to. And they don't operate in humility. Like, I... I'm going to brag here after talking about humility. So for whatever reason, I'm just going to say it. I'm an exceptional bowler. Everybody's got skills. It's really crazy. I just never bowl a gutter ball. I mean, it's just right down the lane. As long as those bumpers are up, I mean, it just goes right down the lane. No problem. And you take the bumpers down, different story. But, um, but compassion and humility are the bumpers in the lane. They keep you from making dumb mistakes that hurt people. So your main concern, it's actually kind of where you fish to find prophetic ministry, is, Lord, what out of your heart of love are you speaking to these people or to this person? 
And when you look in that spot, and you're not really concerned about what other people think, you find these things flow supernaturally. Matter of fact, a lot of times it sneaks out. And then finally, the purpose, Paul said, is to edify, which is to build, is the verb to build, like you're building a house, block upon block um, in Greek. And then to exhort, encourage up, and to comfort, calm down. If you're around someone that all their prophetic ministry is always, you know, you thought Sodom and Gomorrah was bad, God's going to make that look like a cookout compared to what he does to you, you know, kind of a thing. And it's just always harsh, 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 red flag. Because the essence of New Testament prophetic ministry is this. Now, there are rare occasions when God can bring a corrective or, or a judgment word, but this is the essence, the vast majority of everything that's spoken should be to build up, encourage up, and comfort down and bring comfort. And so kind of helpful for us. Okay, look at a couple more here, and then we're going to all go to pastors for ice cream. Okay, look at the next slide, please. So um, this is not a nautical flag at the bottom, but this is just kind of, kind of to show some. So can you make a mistake when the Holy Spirit is prompting you? This is a question a lot of people don't think about. They go, well, I, that was, well, I can't be responsible for what I say when the Holy Spirit's upon me, you know. Um, I can't help myself, like the old hymn says. Oh, that's the, the four tops, forget it. But um, this, this graph shows, let's just say the yellow is God and this is human activity up here. Um, you know, there's a blending, there's a spectrum there. And... You can't just blame it on God because he's flowing through your hot rubber hose, right? And this is why someone can, there can be even a prophetic word in a church, there can be a portion of it that's really powerful and the rest of it, not so much. And that's why Paul said afterwards to discern through it. It's not judge it as in it's all good or all bad. It's diacrino in the Greek, dia like diameter, cut through and search, crisis crino in the Greek. You're searching through it to find the treasure because we all know it's just a person trying to be used of God. So here's a great example in the ministry of the Apostle Paul, Acts 27, 9 through 10. He says, if we get on this boat, everybody's going to die, Right? They get on the boat anyway. Now in the middle of the storm, you know the scripture. The Bible says the weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew. You people know your Bible. Pastor, you've done a, an amazing job. And he's probably too young to know the reference. You know, okay, all right, all right. So, all right, so boomer and proud of it, right? Okay, so. But Acts 27, they're in the middle of, this, uh, you know, of the bad shipwreck. It's been seven days without the light of the sun. They passed cords, divers, tied ropes around their waist and jumped over the boat and swam up the other side. And they hoisted them up and with block and tackle tie. I mean, they're trying to hold the ship together in this storm. It's so violent. And Paul comes out of the prayer time and says, hey, the God whose I am and whom I serve, he's given me more clarity. Nobody's going to die, but we are going to run aground on some island. Make sure you grab a plank. Right? Don't kill the prisoners. Remember that? And so this is interesting because you see the development of even the Apostle Paul tuning in to hear from God. And there's no inclination in the scripture that God changed his mind. Oh, I won't kill you now, you know, kind of a thing. But it just shows that even the Apostle Paul was trying his best to hear from God. And that's why we cut each other slack. 
Like, you know, there are people that kind of are really closed down to the moving of the Holy Spirit, and they go, oh, you know, they're false prophets, stone them, whatever, you know. But it's not that way. We have a culture where we're trying to grow and learn, and we hold these things very tenuously. When you prophesy, we're not adding it to the Bible. The Bible is the judge of those things. And we understand that it's a human being trying to hear from the Holy Spirit in this way. So we hold it with a looser grip on these things, but when it's properly processed, it can really build up people. Okay, next slide, please. We're so close to being done. Just eight in the morning, we'll be done. Okay, so uh, prophetic ministry can address three different time frames. So this is from our scripture tonight. Uh, Samuel says, as for you and your donkeys, which were lost past tense three days ago, presently, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. Present tense. And then in the future, and for whom is all that is desirable in Israel, is it not for you and your father's household, speaking of Saul's future kingship? This is a really incredible verse because it shows the three time zones of prophetic ministry. Sometimes God can reveal the past. Sometimes he can speak to the present. Sometimes he speaks to the future or any combination thereof. A lot of people think all prophetic is the future. Tomorrow's daily number will be, you know, but he wants to help us. And sometimes it's super revelatory. And sometimes it's just like a comforting blanket that comes around you. I tell you, I am with you. Being aware that God is with you, you know, is one of the most profound prophetic uh, connotations that can happen, that you're not alone or that God cares for you. Um, and that kind of transcends time, doesn't it? Because he's with us always. Go to the next slide, please. Um, how do we judge it? The word of God, the mission of Jesus. This one is one that has really been forgotten over the years. Oh, God's told us to build a you know, a water park at our church or whatever. Okay, does it align with the mission of Jesus? Oh, but I had a prophetic word, thou shalt build a water slide. <laughs> but does it align with the mission of Jesus? So you see a lot of churches spend all their resources on sideways energy based on someone having an idea and blaming it on prophetic word. But because it didn't align with the mission of Jesus, it paralyzes that church for 30 years in indebtedness that they should be spending in ministry, right? But can you think about how that can also play in your life? So many other ways. You know, oh, the Lord's shown me that if I just, you know, if I get all of my friends to buy Herbalife and then all this kind of thing, I'm, I'm not, no beef on Herbalife if that's your bag, but, or uh, whatever it is, blame the other one, Shackley or something like that. But people get all these ideas and they blame it on God and what they end up doing is alienating themselves from the mission of Jesus in their life because of using prophetic ministry as an excuse to sanctify their greed. So we have to be really careful with all of these things. And sorry, if any, seriously, if anybody's in Herbalife, I'm not throwing it under the bus. I'm sure it's great vitamins. But I'm just using it as an example. People go, oh, well, you know, and then they say, well, this has to be God because it seems good. But that's why you've got to know the word and you've got to pray about these things. And then finally... The end of it has to build up the kingdom of God in people in some way. And so he wants to help us. And I want to spend a few moments in prayer with you. Do we have any other slides or is that enough? That's good enough. I don't care about the rest of them. Yeah. Oh, you hear public. If you're doing it in church, listen, everybody's got to hear you. 
So if you, it's very appropriate. I don't know what your, what your protocol is here in church. A lot of churches, and I think it's kind of healthy because you just kind of never know who's coming in. But um, if a lot of churches say, hey, come to the front row. We've got a pastor up there. And they're not there to scold you or vet you. They're there to wait for the window when it's appropriate, which is nice because you get a little more time to kind of cook it down and pray and kind of get your heart in line. A lot of people think if you don't scream out the moment you get hit with the goosebumps that you're going to get booted off the network, it's not that way at all. In fact, it usually becomes more powerful and, uh, and when you pray about it afterwards. But it has to be clearly heard. So if you have a very quiet voice, or have you ever been in a service when the person giving the interpretation or the prophecy that they, uh, yeah, you can come to the platform. Come on up. And anybody else, bring your kazoos. Come on up, all right? Um, <laughs> but have you ever been in a church service where you couldn't hear what was being said prophetically? So that means that prophetic word didn't land because everybody didn't hear it. So some important things it needs to be timed properly, um, submit it to the church. You know, it's people who they don't respect my gifting. Well, it's because you have an arrogant spirit. You're there to work alongside the ministry of the church because the church is the organization God blesses in the earth, you know. And then also, too, if you're visiting another church or whatever, you know, you just don't go in with your prophetic gifting. You go to the leader if you feel that word and say, hey, I know we don't know each other. And my name is so and so, but I, I feel like God has spoken something to me, I submit it to you. It's the appropriate thing to do. And they're always going to say yes, unless you're like come in with like one hairy eyebrow and whatever and kind of, you know, whatever. But um, and then follow, finally, it follows the protocol. So, okay, do me a favor, stand up. That's way too much material, but you, you made it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you survived that teaching, all right? All right, so do me a favor, stretch up as high as you can stretch. Reach up higher, higher, higher. All right. This is just a stretch. Don't get spiritual yet. <laughs> Rock up on your toes. Okay, now reach down as low as you can. Plant your hands flat on the ground. And now put one foot straight up in the air. Then the other one straight up. All right. Me neither. Remember a time in your spiritual life in the past when you were not as street smart as you are right now. A little more open, a little more pure of heart. Would, would you ask the Lord to restore you to that spot where you could just really trust him? You weren't, hadn't been hurt. You hadn't been, oh yeah, but I know that church or this church or those people or whatever. Would you join me just in a moment of prayer and just ask the Lord to restore our child-likeness? Oh, Lord, would you just soak off the barnacles off my hull, Lord Jesus? As long as I have breath, as long as I have voice, I want you to use it for your glory, Lord Jesus. I know not everything I say will be directed by you, but I want more and be nudged by your prophetic anointing, even directed by it. I'll take any way you lead me, Lord. Help me not to be afraid of others or reset me from negative experiences in the past. I, people say I'll never put myself out there again after that or whatever. Lord, free us from ourselves. I open myself to you, Lord Jesus. 
reset me to be a young Samuel that so innocently and so naturally hears your voice and your promptings. Help me, Lord, to communicate with authenticity and honesty what I sense, even if it's just something so small, just a simple phrase. Help me not to try to add my own interpretation to it. I just want to speak what you want me to say. It's just my job. Deliver your letters, Lord Jesus, not edit them. Help me, Lord. Help me to think and speak prophetically over my family, over my spouse, over my kids. Lord, please don't let the frustrations that come in from life affect the words that I say to my family and friends and church community. Speak, Lord. Speak to us. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Welcome you, Jesus. God, would you even speak right now through this crowd? Whether it's just something someone in their heart of hearts needs to know from you or to help them to intercede or operate in their family or something even public that you want to speak. We're just open, Lord. What do you have? We Bubble up, Holy Spirit. If you are with some regularity or frequency or already being used in prophetic gifts, I'm going to ask you to do something really tough. I'm going to ask you to hold back. Because I want to make room for some people that maybe have never been used or it's been a long time just to let it flow. Your job is not to give some, you know, bit like a kid doing a Christmas play where it's rhymy and it has a conclusion and a beginning and an end. But your job is just maybe God would give a phrase or, or maybe be so something simple like I, I feel like we're supposed to pray about this need or this missionary or, you know, whatever it might be, or, or this scripture is very important to me right now. And, and I just want to give time for maybe five, six or seven people just quickly just to allow the Lord to flow through them prophetically. I know it's already happening. I can feel it in my spirit. Some of you are feeling it bubble up, but it's like it's in a foreign language to you. That's okay. God does that to make you want to draw near, draw near in relationship to him and it becomes clearer. Yeah. Your job is not getting it right. Your job is to just simply follow the breadcrumbs and obey the Lord. Uh, perfection can't be judged by this. It's, it's a, a very different, different thing. Holy Spirit, would you just bubble up even right now? Would you edify, exhort, and comfort your people? Shine your light and love, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Some are already starting to feel it bubble up. Just, just take a moment and kind of pray through it. You may just have even just one word or just becoming important. Just take some time and pray through it. Lord, this is what I'm sensing. Show me what's you. Don't try to interpret it. Just cook it down to what the prompting is. It's all you're responsible for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. There's one coming out of the oven right now. Where are you? Just speak it out loud. Feel that readiness? It's there. You, you, you don't feel complete yet, but it's ready. It's ready. Where are you at? Just holler it out at me real quick. Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord. Just very simply, I just hear the Lord saying, I'm going to open up your ears in this season. Come to the inner room. How many would just receive that? You want God to open up your ears. You want to come to that inner place in here. Would you just pray that for us? Yes. Lord, we love you. We're so hungry for more of you, oh God. Lord, we're ready for a move of you like we've never seen in this generation, oh God. But we know it starts in the inner room, oh God. It starts with relationship with you. So, Father, we accept that you want to open up our ears to hear you, Lord God, to move and to minister in the workplace, to move at Weiss, to move in the bank, to move in our homes, oh God, like never before. But we know it starts in the inner room. So, God, sanctify us, purify us, oh God. May we be men and women on our knees waiting to hear with our spiritual ears to hear what it is that you are saying to us to do. May it not be of ourselves pride, God, but may we be obedient to everything you are telling us to do in this season. Lord, we receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just analyze, stay in the spirit, but just analyze for a moment. Do you see how that word brought some living passion inside of your heart? And you see how when we prayed about it, everything inside of you just said yes to that individually and corporately? to the edification that comes from that. So this is the beautiful thing. It didn't have to be 45 sentences and some, you know, Elizabethan English, but it brought power and it stirred us and exhorted us. Is there another word? I I don't know what God has. We're going to pray for healing and stuff in just a moment, but someone else, someone else going once, going twice. Yeah. Spirit of God has been tugging on my heart. Philippians 3.10. Paul, known who Paul was, and yet I cried out, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. And it, it kind of speaks to my heart, to my spirit, that there is the more. And God is saying, ask me. Ask me, ask me, and I give you the more. 
uh, Father God, I, Lord Paul, Paul, dear God, cried out, I want to know you more, dear God. And Lord, you got them more for us. And Father, we are holding back from you, dear God. Help us not to be content where we are, dear God. But Lord, to get all the, all the more, dear God. I'm asking you in Jesus' name, Father. Lord, move upon our hearts, move upon our spirit, dear God. Lord, to receive the more, dear God. In Jesus' name. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Provoke us with hunger, Lord. Provoke us with hunger. Lord, I just feel led to just pray for every person in this room to have a blessing upon their devotional life, upon their own Shiloh, Lord. I pray you'd stir new spiritual appetites for the word and for prayer. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Yeah. Ooh. I just keep hearing over and over, the room you make for me, I will fill. Ooh. The room you make for me, I will fill. So I just say right now, God, anything in our lives that's not of you, God, take it out and uproot it right now in the name of Jesus, God. Tear down every distraction. Tear down every idol that we've placed before you, God, and let us just make room for you, God. Your word says that if we diligently seek you, we will find you. So come and fill the room that we make for you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else, nothing else will do. Come on, just tell him in your own words how much your desire is inclined towards him. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you, Lord. The power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your sufferings in every way. I want to know you, Lord. I want to see your face. I don't want to believe what other people say about you. I want to believe what I know about you from your word and from me knowing, growing in you. I want to make room for you so you'll fill it. I want to hear your voice. I want to be hungry for you, Lord. I want to be hungry, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel God saying he is so well pleased that you all want the more of God. So it was a confirmation when Jack spoke on more. But his arms are open wide to you. He longs to embrace you because you want the more. Beautiful. Let's just land on this just for a moment. Some of you, you've just, you love the Lord. You know him, but you're just going through a really difficult time. Things are so discouraged and discouraging. Things seem dark. Everything seems to be moving in the wrong direction. 
And the Lord just is here through these words to encourage you. I love that, that I'm pleased with your hunger kind of a word. It's really helpful for us. This is not a judgment on your spiritual status. Because did you know some of the most spiritual people in the Bible went through times of depression and discouragement? Moses even asked God to kill him and take him home if things didn't get better, you know. But if you're at that spot where spiritually things are really, really difficult and dark for you, uh, I want to ask you if you just lift one hand up really high, own it right now, and uh, hold it up really high. If you're around, keep it up. I need some people around you just to put a hand on your shoulder and just begin to pray. This just, this just build up our friends right now. And we're just going to pray that God will recalibrate your awareness to what is spiritually accurate around you. God is for you. He is fighting for you. He is your glory and the lifter of your head. Just, just let God use you. The Lord might even give you a word to encourage someone right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. While they continue to pray for those that are responding in that way, I sense also the Holy Spirit saying that he's been dealing with people about taking a bigger place in ministry. You've been wrestling with this, and most of what you've been wrestling with is your own sense of insecurity and inferiority. That's what that's what happens. God calls Moses, and Moses goes, well, I can't because, hey, I'm a stuttering murderer, right? We read about it tonight. Saul's immediate response was, well, I'm from like the smallest tribe, and I'm the least in my family, and I can't. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can do anything that God wants you to do. And I'm not saying tonight by you responding that you're going to be signed up to go on some third world country as a missionary. But you're saying, I just feel God telling me to devote more of myself to ministry. And I'm really battling with some of that interiorly. I want you just to hold up a hand really high because this Saturday night, this is the time that God is going to really help you get some clarity. So hold it up really high. We got some hands already. Beautiful. If you see someone around you that's got a hand up for that, maybe just wave it so we can tell the difference. Just give a little wave and let's get some friends around you just to pray. We're just going to um, just build each other up in this way. Come on, Lord, we just thank you right now for this. We present ourselves to you. We present ourselves to you. How many of you are in a spot with your family relationships where a word from God could dramatically change what's going on, dramatically change the course of a loved one's life, right? Would you just stand there privately? Would you invite the Lord to help you discern your thoughts from His and ask God to allow you to be prophetically gifted in that circumstance? You're just sending Him an invitation. We don't know what He may do or may not do, but you're just giving Him your mouth in that moment and just ask the Lord to guide your words in those moments. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I hear the Holy Spirit, someone just saying, I can never forgive. I can never overcome because I can't forgive. If you'll ask the Lord to help you right now, He'll give you the power. He'll give you the ability to do things you can't do. Thank you, God. I'm also feeling the power of God in my feet. Where are my friends that have need a healing in your feet? Something's going on with your feet. You got hold it, hold it up real high. Okay, it, keep it waving just for a second. If you're by someone that's got it, wave it. If you got 
And I'm not talking about stinky feet. I'm talking about a, a healing issue in there, okay? Wave it real big. Would you look around? And if you're not praying for anyone, I need at least two people to go to pray for each one. It looks like the sound booth has two-thirds of them have feet problems. All right, so head back there. Listen, the feeling that you have right now, like I want to go pray, but I don't know what to do, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Um, and God uses us in our weakness, which is what's so beautiful. So just press in there and just begin to pray and listen to the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, that you would just send a wave of healing across this room, that you would just strengthen us, Lord, strengthen all of my friends. Lord, I pray if anyone is battling with a real critical uh, issue, Lord, oh, God forbid, even a terminal one in this room. God, that you would most urgently send your healing grace to their bodies right now, Lord. Oh, Jesus, let heaven come to earth in this moment. Show your glory and power. Demonstrate your goodness, Lord. Demonstrate your goodness. Demonstrate your goodness, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, help us to hear you. Help us to hear you, Lord. I'm going to give place for just one, one more prophetic nudge inside, going once, going twice. I know pastor's got something to say. We'll give it to him in just a second. Anyone going once, going twice, sense that nudging inside? You sense how everything in your brain wants to hurry up and get this over with because but everything in your spirit wants to build a tabernacle here in this kind of a moment, right? So you can kind of perceive the difference between your thinking and, and your spirit, your brain and your spirit. Again, your brain is not bad, but you got to give some room for Stephanie, the Holy Spirit to stir you. Yeah. I saw your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I just, that's all I heard him saying is freedom and freedom and freedom and freedom. And I don't know the chains and I don't know where you're hiding and I don't know the weight, but I know that he does. And I know that he sees it and he has just freedom. Thank you, Lord. You're not forgotten. He cares about you. The enemy wants to isolate you. That's how he tries. You're the only one. You're no, nobody will understand. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. He is here to help us and fighting for us. Praise God. Good word. Good word. Good word. Wow. Pastor, I'm going to let you lead since you're the leader here. And it's 11 o'clock at night, but that's all right. In Newfoundland. Um, but uh, I'm excited about tomorrow. What a great group. Yeah, plug your ears for a minute. What a great group this is. Man alive. 
you told me they were terrible. Why? It's just, no, I'm teasing. Wow. As an outsider, I just want to say there's something special happening here. You can tell it. Uh, it's not just excitement, but it's openness. And a lot of people spiritually are too afraid to make mistakes to actually be used of God. I don't perceive that here. But you're also not kooky either. Now there's a couple kooky people here. But because um, I'm here. But, uh, but do you feel that? Do you feel like God's stretching you a little bit? As long as you stay in relationship and stay devoted to the word, everything goes well. You know, and this is a good spot to be in, a good spot to be in. Amen. Before we sing this bridge, I just want you, can I challenge you, church, congregation? What you experienced last night on Friday night, awesome. What we're experiencing here now on Saturday night, incredible. Bring this tomorrow morning. Bring this Sunday mornings. Bring this hunger and this expectation to Sunday morning. Bring this expectation to your workplace. Bring this expectation with you tonight. Don't leave it here. Take it home with you. Carry it with you. Amen, church? Would you join me in just praying? Because I know, you know, that's, that's, it's nice to say, but how many of you know, like, I, there's a realness to this. Like, I know some of you are like, Pastor, that sounds great. You haven't seen the people that I work with. They are heathens. Let's pray about it. Amen. Let's seek his strength. Amen. Would you do that with me? Before we sing this, bridge, it just says, I just want you, because I can't think of a better way to end this service than just saying, Jesus, we're still running after you. We still just want you. Amen. Would you join me in that prayer? Would you just begin to extend your hands towards heaven? And I'm not going to lead us. These are your words. Whether it's difficulty bringing this kind of expectation that God is going to lead you divinely to your home, or that it's maybe it's difficult to believe that God is going to lead you divinely in your workplace, whatever He's, whenever the Holy Spirit is impressing on your heart, whether it's maybe again, maybe if it's even if it's Sunday mornings, maybe you're showing up on Sunday mornings and friend, you're tired because you're showing up on empty and we're, we're looking to Sunday mornings to, to be our life support, but God wants to raise you up on Sunday mornings where you show up with great expectancy that's contagious. Whatever area he's laying on your heart, would you just begin to circle prayers around that? Just a couple seconds. Jesus, come on church, stay in it, stay in it. A couple more seconds. Grow in that boldness that Pastor Tim talked about. The Lord gave you a mouth to use prayer. It is insinuated in the word prayer that you are verbalizing your conversation with God. A couple more seconds. Lord, would you go before us in our homes? Would you go before us in the workplace? Would you go before us in the market? Would you go before us at the gas station? Would you go before us in the public school system for parent-teacher conferences? Would you go before our children? Jesus. I just want you.
that's our declaration today. Jesus, we want you Nothing more than we want our comfort zones. I just want you. More than other people's opinions. in your presence. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.